This podcast is presented by State Farm, a proud supporter of women's soccer and all women's sports. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Obviously, you being superstar USWNT, is he now all in on on the gals as with what are we calling them, Brendan? Yeah. I've forgotten what their nickname is. I think we went with uh, Soccer Daughters. I think we're calling them Soccer Daughters. <laughs> soccer Daughters. <laughs> okay. Are we? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Are we? <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't come up with anything. What are you talking about? No. We, got, we got nothing no, here. We, we, got, we got a nickname problem. I, we got Get back to your question. Yeah, Don't you... put me on the spot. <laughs> but I did get Soccer Daughters Sold. printed and I, I bought the website. Anyway, we'll see what happens with it. <laughs> I feel like that's going to take off. From Apple News, I'm Rebecca Lowe. And I'm Brendan Hunt. And this is After the Whistle. We're coming to you right after the whistle of the U.S.'s first World Cup match versus Vietnam with our instant reactions. Plus, World Cup legend and our friend Julie Foudy joins the pod to explain why it wasn't the blowout win everyone expected. Reminder, there will be adult language and it won't all be from me. Brendan, let's get right into it. The United States are three points up. They're three goals to the good against Vietnam. What did you make of the win? I felt what I'm sure many of of us fans felt. The frustration of incomplete finishing. But at a group stage tournament, the most important thing, as we have talked about so many times before, is that in the first game, you just cannot lose. Because the first game is weird, and a lot of crazy stuff can happen. And in this case, the crazy stuff was winning 3-0 instead of 9-0, as everyone was so sure that we were going to do. But all that matters... Is the three points. There are many worse things that could have happened. And, you know, what was it? 27 shots to zero? That's that's not nothing. But, oh, my gosh, the chances, the missed penalty. It seemed mm. like a lot of layups got missed. Sloppy, isn't it? It's sloppy. And, and that was the only, like you say, only disappointing thing. Has that been a theme? I feel like that's been a bit of a theme recently in this team leading into the World Cup. They're sort of less clinical than they should be with the talent that they have. Yeah, I mean, we'll give the amount of injuries up front, too, as people are rotating in and out. That's understandable. And, like, you know, so many new players. So many players in the lineup, it's their first World Cup ever. Like, all right, okay, learn each other. Great. But learn each other fast, please. Learn each other very, very fast. But, you know, overall, three points. You're in. You're out. We're good. Move on. And uh, yeah. and a much bigger game to come. Um, Where do you want to start in terms of the specifics? Because I've got a couple of things, too. Okay. Well, should we go chronologically-ish? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you lead us through your notes? Because that's always fun. <laughs> um, uh, I thought the starting lineup was interesting for a few reasons. I know um, you want to talk about something in defense in particular, but like just our last pod, I was like, oh gosh. And you know, eventually I bet we do see Morgan and Rodman and Smith on the pitch together at the same time. We open with it. Correct. We open with it. And I thought that was actually, you know, ended up being very exciting and thrilling. Sophia Smith, total and utter joke in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right though that front three I think it was the right front three it's who I would have chosen I think going in he does make some changes throughout the game um okay I, I keep wanting to jump ahead so I'm, I'm gonna carry on carry on well if you want to talk about you know the starters in defense that you want to talk about I think this is an appropriate time yeah, I feel like Alana Cook and Naomi Goma were going to be that starting pair, okay? So we know that Becky Sauer, Bruns injured, can't be here at the World Cup. So it was always going to be Cook and Goma. And they've played together very few times. And Alana Cook was left out, which I was really surprised at. Julie Ertz played in the centre half, the left side of the centre half position for the first time for the US women's national team in four years. And I mean, I know two of those years she's not played really, but 
it, it's not her natural position. And it that is an area, Brendan. Tonight, obviously, it wasn't a big deal because, you know, in the end, it was a professional performance 3-0. It wasn't ever really a problem because they didn't even have a shot on goal. So she wasn't really tested. But I just wonder whether Juliet's was brought in to just help Naomi Gurma enter the World Cup stage a little bit, who's also debutante at this World Cup and very young. Mm -hmm. And maybe as the tournament goes on, Ertz will sort of move aside and Alana Cook will come in once Gurma feels a little bit more settled. Either way, whatever the idea from Andonovsky is, I'm concerned at the severe lack of depth in the centre-half area, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely fine for the group stage, may not be fine later on. I thought it was really interesting that Ertz was in there. Ertz is one of the players who, you know, has had... Not exactly a a full gamut of work the last couple of years, you know, with a pretty decent excuse, I guess, if you're into kids. <laughs> but she played 90 minutes, which I was really surprised by. Mm. She is so valuable. You know, she can do so many things. And she has played in central defense in World Cups for the U.S. with distinction. Now, then starting her off this way in Vietnam, it's like, okay, is he resting a lot of cook? Is he is he getting mm. Julie Ertz, you know, back in the flow of things as much as possible? But then 90 minutes mm. was really was really surprised. What did you make of captain being Lindsay Horan? There's obviously a discussion after Sabran doesn't make it, who should be the captain. There's tons of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously a huge lack of experience as well. Do you like Horan as captain? Happy with that? Obviously, she got a goal. I think so. We know just from this lineup. Like Vlatko's going to get people in and out a lot, and you know maybe Lindsay's going to rest here or there. In which case, you know, co-captain Alex Morgan will be captain. But it says to me that Lindsay's very important, and that she will be on the pitch for all of the big moments. Um, I, <laughs> pardon me if I can be so, so super unacademic here about uh, about Lindsay Horan, but whenever I watch her, I'm like, I like her vibe. Uh, she's she's great. I want to hang out with her. Lindsay, Lindsay Horan seems like the person, like at the bar is closing, who was like, N- I know a place that's open another two hours. It's around the corner. Oh, great. Thank God Lindsay Horan is here. <laughs> well, that, that is leadership. That is the leadership we need in this moment. Yeah, she just seems like someone who like will, will be unfussed and will always mm-hmm. know what has to happen next and make sure it gets done. Uh, so I'm pro her, her as captain. Uh, frankly, did you have... Did you have reservations? Did you have other, another notion? No, no. I think she sounds like a good time. Quite frankly, <laughs> after what you described there. And, you know, that's what we need in a leader. I Colorado love it. girl, come on. Uh, you mentioned Alex Morgan. Um, I know we're dotting around a little bit here, but, um, oh, the penalty, the penalty. I, I looked yeah, at Alex Morgan great. at the end when they were in a circle and I thought, bless her heart, she was really kind of putting her, because obviously he took her off, didn't he, second half. And he, he, she was putting her arms around everyone and kind of gathering them all in as the co-captain and utter legend leader that she is. And I just thought for a second, like, if you're a real striker, which she is, don't get me wrong, she's standing there delighted they've won 3-0. Of course she is, right? Because she wants to win the World Cup. But the only thing she's thinking about tonight is a penalty. The It's literally the only thing. If I've spoken to a number of strikers, Absolutely. many down the years, and, and I, that, I hate that for her because it was a bit like watching Christine Sinclair miss hers. You, you, you want those legends of the World Cup to live up to their own standards. And, and it wasn't even like it was a great save. It was just really poor and I I don't know whether that's kind of it's all it's the beginning of the World Cup and so things are a bit crazy which I'm sure they are or or what but it just was very un-Alex Morgan wasn't it yeah and it's it's weird epidemic that's happening right now Mm. as of this recording there have been six penalties already in this World Cup and only two of them have been converted and like this will be a blip 
when we do the Alex Morgan career retrospective special that you will be hosting, <laughs> you know, no, no one's going to mention this penalty, but she'll remember it more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she will not like it because it, it was a poor, poor penalty. Like it was so central and so yeah. softly hit, but like, but not down the middle and not so softly hit as a Penenka. Like it was like, Mm. Yeah, it was, it was very, it was, it was very uncharacteristic. It was just so on her, wasn't it? Yeah, I just 100%. really hope this has absolutely zero. Effect. I mean, she's been there, done it, got you know every bit yeah. of experience under her belt. So I'm sure she'll go to bed tonight and tomorrow morning. She'll wake up and have moved on. And I hope that that she goes on to thrive because we we don't want Alex yeah. Morgan in any kind of shadow. We want Alex Blumen Morgan. All right, so I I've, <laughs> I think around the 25th minute or so, I think that they're up one nothing at that point. Lovely first goal from Sophia Smith. A well, a well worked goal by the U.S. Alex Morgan with the assist, by the way. Oh, um, what a so flick! Contributing. Mm -hmm. um, but by the 25th minute, it was like, okay, the U.S. is just taking pot shots now. We're just we're just camping on the Vietnam half. And the, but is is finishing going to be a problem? Is finishing just going to be a problem today? I assume it will. Or is this going to be like the story of this World Cup for the U.S.? Like, oh, but the finishing. You know, small sample size right now. Obviously, what did you think of the Trinity Rodman penalty shout? That led to Alex's penalty miss. I thought it was a little soft. I thought so I watched too. It. Did you? Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, good. Look at us all friends and in agreement. And why did it have to take five goddamn minutes to, <laughs> to decide? If it took that long, let's move on. Oh, yeah, yeah. The VAR on the second goal. Like, I think they made the right call. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I want to call her Allie McGraw, but it's not Allie McGraw because she's not in love Allie story. Wagner. Allie Wagner, who would have been great in Love Story, I'm sure. Chemistry with her and Ryan O'Neill would have been magnificent. However, um, she was so shocked <laughs> that this offside call wasn't given. But like, Allie, clearly there's a foot there. There's a foot there and it's a whole thing. But another five fucking yes. minute VAR call. Like, just make the call. Yeah. We have the technology. Um, and that's annoying. Anywho, by the time the second half starts, it's like, oh, Sophia, get that hat trick. Get that hat trick. Oh. We love you. The world loves you. The world is falling in love with you. Um, and then, like, a minute in, she had that chance. I was like, oh! And it felt right away like, well, no, she's not going to get the hat trick. That was it. That was it. Yeah. And it proved to be. Yeah. And then we had Rose Lavelle and Megan Rapino come on earlier than I thought they would. I did, too. What did you think of their impact? I'm on record. Rapino is my favorite player on this team. Love seeing her out there. And um, if, if, if her role in this is going to be super sub, then I'm behind it. I don't think she made a huge impact, but Rose Lavelle is a fucking spark plug. I, I see in her what Bruce Arena saw in Clint Dempsey. You know, she tries shit. You know, the rattling off the bar, um, just great footwork. Mm. Like it, everything yeah. got more fun <laughs> when yeah. Rose Lavelle was in there. And maybe it's because the whole team was like, "Oh my gosh, we're not winning ten nothing. We're not having enough fun anymore. We're only winning two nothing." But uh, I love seeing her out there and. And, you know, we talked about this in the last pod is like, okay, really the plan is to, you know, all these important players, if we're just going to play them back into shape during the course of the group stage. I thought Lavelle's contribution indicated that's not crazy, actually. That is that is very, very possible. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised when she came on, purely because I thought she was going to get some minutes in that send-off game. Didn't. And I thought, oh, well, then she absolutely mustn't be ready. And she obviously is doing like what you just said Andonovsky is doing. And I'm, I'm like you, I, I love Rose Lavelle. Um, I think she has grit. I think she's different. I think she's a game changer, a game winner. I want to see her start next game. Already? Yeah. Against Holland? Oh, I see. Yeah. Oof. I mean, hey, I, I mean, I, I want all the Rose Lavelle I can get, but I think it might be too soon, I think. 
maybe we get a whole half out of her against Netherlands. Maybe. I, I would suspect that if the plan has been to hold her back, that plan must be to hold her back until we really need her, like until the knockout rounds, you know? Might like, need her against Netherlands, my friend, after that finishing. Might need, yeah, but like how much How much does the U.S. <laughs> need need any group stage sure. game, really, you know? Um all right, all right. So back in here, kind of got to say, it's all stream of consciousness, everybody. Like, it's great to have games again, though. But I noted, wow, Lindsay Horan is a, like two different opportunities for a worldie. Like, like two different ones. Uh, I'm coming from wrong. Maybe I'm just remembering the second one and I'm conflating it with the first. Like, the second one maybe didn't happen twice. But <laughs> at least the second one, like, it was a chance that felt like Zidane's goal against Leverkusen in the Champions League final in 2002. Like, the ball was in the air forever. She got to look at it. She got to watch it in slow motion. She got to curl her body back. Here it comes. Here is my... <laughs> and But then, luckily, by the end of the game, she got her goal <laughs> that she had earned. Yay! So it worked out great. Um, but I was bummed for her, uh, you know, and all her bar-finding abilities that she had missed these chances. But you know what I'm excited for? You know what I'm super excited for? And I bet you are too. Who? Alyssa fucking Thompson. Yes. Yes. How fucking cool is she? And there's something about the baby of the group. There's just something yeah, about people absolutely. love the baby. They do. You know, I mean, you know, not to compare her to Michael Owen in 1998, but he was the baby of Great the team. Uh, right? And when, and I mean, he actually started, but he, when he scored that amazing goal, obviously, but he he was the baby, and so you kind of all become parents to the baby. And so when she came on tonight, I felt like her mum, and it, you know, I'm sure like a hundred million other people did too. But I was just like, it's she's a child, you I'm know. So it, was, proud. Oh, it was, I am, and I mean, literally don't know the girl, but like so proud, and know that so many people will be so proud. So just so proud of those people being proud of her. The whole thing, just a lot of pride. Um, she was fantastic. 18 years old at the World Cup. Absolute madness, isn't it? Mental. Um, and that basically concludes what was, I think, if we get, if we put a bow on it, as you Americans like to say, uh, it was a professional, yeah. a little clunky, a little stodgy, but mm -hmm. effective mm -hmm. game of football. This podcast is presented by State Farm, which believes in amplifying the voices and profiles of women athletes. By ensuring coverage for female athletes today, State Farm helps set the stage for women's sports tomorrow. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ladies and gentlemen, our first guest of season two is a former captain of the U.S. women's team with goals in all four World Cups in which she played. That's four World Cups and two of them she won. She's one of the most accomplished women's soccer players ever. And she's in a league of her own as a broadcaster, not to mention a podcaster. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, please welcome Julie Foudy to After the Whistle. Oh, Jules, 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 Jules. It is so Hi. lovely. Hello, my love. It is so lovely to have you on the pod, especially as you are leaving to go down under when? Tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Like, literally, I thought, okay, I'll get the first game in, watch it at home, and have some sanity, and then, yeah, I'm going tomorrow. So we're recording this pretty late on the West Coast, let alone for us on the East Coast. So this is like the pajama pod. So are you pajamaed <laughs> up? Are you basically ready to go in your jammies? I... I am Moscow muled up. Is that the equivalent? <laughs> it's better. It's better, Jules. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie, just to set the scene, like how does a former World Cup winner watch the World Cup? Like what is your what is your preferred vibe? <laughs> and uh, and was tonight your preferred vibe or just a watch quickly before the flight? Definitely not a watch party is my preferred vibe. Um, I did it at home with the fam, with the kids, uh, with a few friends, and with a lot of 99ers texting in, nice. which to this day, that text chain is very strong. So Aww. it's fun. That's amazing because there actually weren't text messages in 1999, were there? <laughs> yeah, so it's right. amazing there that you guys no actually have <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe we we have cell phones finally. And electricity, Rebecca. <laughs> So we uh, texted a lot, and we're very excited that the U.S. got the three points. Maybe not the prettiest three points the U.S. has ever received, but they got the three points. And that's the big thing, of course. I was actually calling the send-off game before they went to New Zealand, and I was talking to Vlad Kondinovsky, and I said, okay, lesson. I went into full journalistic mode. (laughs) Lesson learned from the Olympics. What was the one thing? And he's like, win that damn first game. I was like, okay, you've got Vietnam. I think that's probably going to be a plus. (laughs) <laughs> and when you're Jules when you're watching it I know it's a little while ago when you played do you still get any feelings of not that you want to be out there or maybe you do like any envy or or is it more just a kind of gives you a moment to reflect on everything that you did do you still have that link during this World Cup yeah the only time I get a little bit emotional is National Anthem and then you're like ah that brings back the goosebumps. But yeah, otherwise I'm like, oh, hell no, I don't want to be on there. <laughs> this is much better. Feet up, Moscow mule, let's go. Just to be clear, the uh, the American national anthem or the Vietnamese? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. Uh, the Vietnamese. Okay, great. No, no, I get that. I get that. It's, just, it's actually quite melodic. Um, to today's game, as you say, the, you know, we had Vietnam coming, so... Everyone felt pretty good, but it was not uh, the 25 nothing win that was expected. Um, <laughs> should we all just go home? Is it over now? We've failed. It's done. There's no future. You know, what we've discovered with this U.S. team is that, at least having called a lot of their games in the run-up to all of this, is that teams that don't present a lot of offensive challenges to the United States are often a little bit more challenging, right? When they sit in a little bit more compact defense and, like, I think we should give Vietnam some credit that this is their first World Cup and they come in and they're playing the two-time reigning champion. So that's got to be frightening in itself. And yet they they held their own, right? And it wasn't a blowout game. It wasn't, uh, was it Thailand, I guess, in 2019 that it was 13 or 700 mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so, and I think a lot of people expected it would be a score like that. But the U.S. just doesn't, do as well when the game is more compact like that. And it's not an open game and it's not a game of transitions. And so we've known this about this U.S. team. It is a little bit worrying to me that they can't excel in games that are a little bit compact because it then shouts for teams to play that way against them. But it is the first game of a World Cup. And there's 14 players on this U.S. national team that are in their first ever World Cup. So I try and give them a little grace because it is their first World Cup, many of them. And they know it and they'll say it. It has to be better than that. I mean, that is a little bit worrisome in terms of it was Vietnam, but it's their first game at, at a World Cup for a lot of them. Can we talk, Jules, about Sophia Smith? Because 
Leading up to this tournament, she has been everywhere. And if you're relatively new to the US Women's National Team, maybe you're like a casual listener to our pod or a casual viewer of the team every few years, Olympics and World Cups, you might not know too much about her because we know that she's been pulling up trees in the NWSL. But she's been everywhere. (laughs) To be everywhere... And then do that in the opening game. Yes, it wasn't perfect, like you said, the rest of the match. But to actually live up to your own hype that not obviously she only created. She's a confident young lady. But um, the rest of the sort of world around her has created some serious hype. And she has lived up to it today. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, first World Cup. And this is a player with Mal Swanson, formerly Mal Pugh, out. Who, when you talk to her and you say hey, there's going to be some pressure on you. You know, those are the conversations we're having going into this World Cup. Like, how do you feel about that? And she, with this big smile, is like, bring it. Let's go. I I like the pressure. And, I, and I'm like, oh, hot damn. I don't even care if you're lying and like faking that. But like that reaction, I was like, yes. And then to get into this moment in that first game and score two and assist on the third, I might have just walked off and been like, I'm good. That's it. World Cup career (laughs) over. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Game over. Well, we'll see if she comes back. Yeah, she might not. I mean, but yeah. And then to have that confidence to build on because they needed that, right? Without Mal Swanson there. And I mean, she was literally carrying the team on her back when she went out with that knee injury earlier in in April. Um, There was a lot of pressure on her. And and you never know how these young players are going to take that. So I think that was a huge performance by her. On the subject of pressure, do you have a sense of how sort of mental strength is adjudged or assessed or quantified differently now than it was back in the 90s? I think it's it's just a very different animal now. Like, we didn't have social media, thank God. We didn't have uh, 700 commercials and a ton of content and all these things that are wrapped around now what's happening with a World Cup. I mean, we were literally, Brandon, trying to like knock on doors going, hey, you should really come to this World Cup because let me tell you, there's this girl named Mia Ham, and then this woman named Brandy who likes to get naked and take her shirt off. And then, and so, I mean, we were selling, selling, selling. It was all about butts and seats. Now it's a very different, you know, they're walking in in their designer suits. I was like, we did not have designer suits uh. when, when we played. This is fabulous. And so beyond the mental side of it is you you have this societal pressure because they've got equal pay. They've they fought for things that, you know, uh, some people don't agree with. And so um, there's a lot more to it now than just stepping out on the field, I guess, in a good way. I think it's all really good things. But I do think that also brings with it some added pressure because there are so many more eyeballs um, and people paying attention to it, and which is exactly what we wanted. And so I don't think they would ever wish it differently, but I do think it is uh, a different side of it, which is why I think the performance and getting that first game out of the way for a lot of them is probably just a big sigh of relief of like, okay, we got the three points, we got the 3 no win, let's go. Jules, let me ask you about the manager, Vlatko Andonovsky, because I feel like one of the differences about the women's game compared to the men's is that I feel like the managers aren't as high profile. I don't think they're as, in a lot of times, whether it's international or domestic, not quite under the same amount of pressure, not quite in the same spotlight. So again, for those who are maybe a bit new, and even those who aren't, Andonovsky is good, 
is good at what is bad at what judge me give me his sort of strengths and his weaknesses i don't feel like he gets talked about very much jules yeah who is this black kowandanowski he's from north macedonia (laughs) Uh, he is the nicest guy um very much a player's manager in terms of the players love him incredibly detailed they literally talk about how He'll break down film and he'll be like, if you just moved your body this 0.34 inch this way and opened your foot up this angle, then, you you know, you open up these seven options and then you have these runs off them. And so detail and the X's and O's is something that he loves and thrives on. I think the flip side of that is he's so detailed and so data-driven that you get too consumed in that. So it's this paralysis by analysis instead of just that are you allowed to swear on this podcast? Absolutely. Brendan does it all the you time. You bet. We love it. We love it. You know, like, sometimes you just you just need to, like, kick the shit out of people and, <laughs> and, and, and like, not think about the X's and O's and loads and minutes and, and yeah. stop worrying. Like, just go, like, instinctual. Looking ahead, to what degree are you concerned about the Netherlands? I'm going to take the liberty of assuming we're more concerned about Holland than we are Portugal. But what might worry you about Holland? What... What could Holland do in this game against Portugal that would sort of, you know, prick your ears up heading into the matchup with the U.S.? Well, the thing is, is if the U.S. doesn't finish one out of this group, then it's a much harder road to get Mm -hmm. through, I think. So I think they realize that this Dutch game, this Netherlands game is going to be a big one. They don't have Miedema, who we know is their star player who's out, sadly, with an ACL injury as are many stars, unfortunately, for a lot of different countries. So it's not the same team, but they're still so good. I mean, they played the U.S. in the 2019, so the last World Cup in the final. They won the Euros, of course, in 2017. They've had a couple coaching shifts. They didn't do very well in the Euros last year. And without Miedema, we'll see. But they still have like Alika Martins and a Spitza. And I mean, you go down the list of Bierenstein and, and of really good players who are game changers. So it's going to be a good game for sure. And I think it's one the U.S. needs to at least get a point. Um, if they can get three out of that, obviously they're sitting pretty and could take that group. And then that road is a lot easier. But yeah, it's a really good team. A very different game than Vietnam and some of the games they've been playing. Wales, Ireland, who play a more compact, like we're going to sit back because we know the U.S. is going to kill us if we don't. So hopefully you'll see a little bit more of an open game. And that suits the U.S. actually better. Jules, is your house split? Because for those who don't know, your husband is English. He's British. He's British. <laughs> yeah. I don't spit like that. I'm British. Uh, <laughs> but you have been together for ages. And obviously you yeah. being superstar USWNT. Is he now all in on on the gals as we're... What are we calling them, Brennan? Yeah. I forgot what their nickname is. I think we went with uh, Soccer Daughters. I think we're calling them Soccer Daughters. <laughs> soccer Daughters. <laughs> okay. We? Yeah. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't come. We didn't come up with anything. What are you talking about? No. We got we got nothing no, here. We, we, got, we got a nickname problem. I, we get got back to your question. Yeah, Don't you, put me on the spot. <laughs> but I did get soccer daughters Sold. printed, and I, I bought the website. Anyway, we'll see what happens with it. Go. Ahead. <laughs> I feel like that's um, going to take off. Yeah, it's got a great ring to it. it really mm-hmm. slips yeah. on the tongue. Yeah. Really, um, really comes off. No, but he's a Brit. He's English. So is it a bit split in the household, or has he come around to the soccer daughters? <laughs> he, he um it's definitely not split he is not wearing any usa gear it's full on like england or bust yeah. and 
he actually, I mean, having come from the prior generations where he, you know, literally my in-laws, who of course are British, when I first met them, they were, and I tell Rebecca this all the time, they were like, you play football? What? <laughs> what? Like this like yeah. squinty eyes, like what? Yeah. Why? Weird. I was like, I don't know. Everyone plays football in America. Like girl, boys, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what? Like I had two heads. I swear to God, Brendan. <laughs> now they were like, oh my God, it's so popular. It's crazy. Everyone's playing. Yeah. So they've kind of had their 99 moment and they're living it. I mean, to be at the Euros and call that game at Wembley with it packed and in the place, just going nuts was a very 99er moment for me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So to see that growth in Europe and England and, and other places, which is why I think it's going to be so hard for the U.S. to win this year. Because Europe's mm -hmm. growth has been just enormous in the last four or five years. Yes, yeah, cheeky lionesses. Mm -hmm. Cheeky lionesses. That's a better name. Cheeky buggers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my love, so much. You have All a safe right. journey. I love you both. Thanks, Julie. Mwah, 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 mwah. Julie Foudy, ladies and gentlemen, the great Julie Foudy. We have to take a quick break and stay with us. On or off the pitch, women athletes deserve to be recognized for being awesome competitors and for being inspiring role models for generations to come. That's why State Farm is proud to present this podcast. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, we're now going to talk about some bits and bombs, and we're going to dovetail it with some A to New Z, because both of our host countries, Australia and New Zealand, have both had their first match. Uh, the morning of New Zealand's first match, New Zealand suffered a uh, mass shooting in which three people were killed, including the shooter, and there were multiple injuries. This is, of course, far more important than football. Uh, nonetheless, a football match was played. A minute silence was observed before the New Zealand match as well as before the Australian match. So New Zealand, already underdogs in this tournament and underdogs against Norway, then on top of everything else, have to carry this energy into that match, and they won. They won one nothing, and it was until tonight's match against the U.S., that match set a record for the biggest crowd at any association football match in the history of New Zealand. And for them to step up in the way that they did, I think is incredibly admirable. Especially, Brendan, as they'd never won a World Cup game in their history either. Yeah. So this was also their first ever World Cup victory. It couldn't have come at a better time. And I think we mentioned in the pod the other day, New Zealand is maybe lagging a little in terms of excitement about this World Cup in comparison to Australia. So that will do the tournament the world of good. Yeah, so uh, keep it up, Ferns. Uh, you have much to be proud of. And let's quickly touch on the other host nation, Australia. Uh, who also played the other night. They did, but with their star player, Brendan, Sam Kerr, injured. And let's just give you the very quick update on her injury. If you know your women's football, you know Sam Kerr is the best player in the world. And this was going to be her moment in her country, in front of her fans, and she got a blooming calf injury. It's it's like as well, Brendan, it's like all the things to get. The calf injury's got to be right up there with the most annoying of yeah. all injuries. Like turf toe. Um, so she missed the first game. She's going to probably be out the second game, but she should be back to take on Canada in the third uh, group game. Um, 10 to 12 day recovery time frame. So I'm not even sure if she'd be back for that. But fingers so tightly crossed because Sam Kerr, 
is this tournament. Certainly coming from Australia, looking at it from that perspective, she is this tournament. She is the face of it. So, oh, well, absolutely gutting. But they also went on and won. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did. After finding out this news only hours before a kickoff, as far as we can tell, mm. they come out and they do it. Massive. Absolutely massive performance. Boy, when the, when the hosts do well, it sure is better for the tournament. And uh, for them both to, under obviously a different scale of tough circumstances, both rise up, that bodes very, very well for the rest of this whole thing. But I would say that we did give our dark horses in episode one. Oh, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, Gosh, what, I mean, I what did just... we give? <laughs> Let me just refresh the minds of the listeners. Great, because I, I have the most vague recollection. Mm. Carry on, please, Rebecca. Get as yeah. specific as well, possible. I mean, I said Republic of Ireland, but the question is, did I actually mean Republic? No, I did say it. <laughs> they, they, they put up a, a decent performance. I just think that maybe yes. that they suffered at the hands of that kind of big Ferrari of the opening ceremony, you know, the whole kind of opening day. So I think that's hard for them. Maybe I should have taken that into account. Um, but one defeat does not make a summer. That's not the phrase, but you know what I mean. And so I don't think my dark horses are, are fully kind of trotting off quite yet. Uh, sure, your sure, dark sure. horses are trotting oh. about rather well. Who did you are go they? for? I forget. Oh nah. my gosh. Although they had a like, sending off. I believe Nigeria. What, 10 man, 10 man Nigeria. Same group as your Ireland who uh, lost <laughs> Australia. Nigeria played uh, Canada, one of the favorites, yeah. current yeah. Olympic champions, yeah. and uh, held their own in a really kind of wonderfully back and forth match. To get a nil-nil draw and a very, very important point. And was there a really painful to look at red card at the end? Oh, there was. Oh, there oh definitely was. <laughs> oh, oh dear. They let you down, your dark horses there. They let you down. They let themselves down. They let football down. It was that was yuck, wasn't it? Yeah, but you're yeah. right. In the dark horse race, you are at the moment slightly Hold ahead. On, Rebecca, by definition, there cannot be a race of dark horses. The dark horse is like you pick one. You pick one, that's the dark horse right there. But we, um, but we if have... they're all dark horses, then there's no favorite. And but what I... are we talking about? <laughs> oh my God, this is so like metaphysical. I just can't actually get my head around it. But Sorry, I'm just I just saw imagining... Oppenheimer, so these are the questions that really just. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch Barbie, and I think that just tells everybody the difference between you and me. <laughs> I can't wait to see Barbie. It's going to be great. <laughs> Oh, I love the Women's World Cup. It's up and blooming running um, and it is taking lots of eyeballs, lots of attention and it's been brilliant so far. Um, but we should also say on this brilliant day for the USWNT, the gals, the soccer daughters, all of the above, uh, that it wasn't just eyeballs on the Women's World Cup today. We no. do have to, what do we have to also just give a titchy little nod to? <laughs> because uh, folks, uh, you know, uh, two episodes ago, we were talking about the great Lionel Messi. And what has happened since then? He now plays in the United States of America for Inter-Miami. And tonight he made his debut against Cruz Azul in a new competition called the League's Cup. We won't get into the mechanics of that. Just know that he came on for about the last half hour and oh. in the third minute of two minutes of extra time, score the game winner on a just absolutely geometrically perfect free kick. The, the wonderful combination of math and art that only he could provide. Gosh, I'm, I'm getting into Ray Hudson territory here. Like, I'm, I'm just so you moved are. by it. Go look at the replay. Uh, we will try not to talk too much about men's football in this podcast, but this was a worthy exception. Welcome to America, Lionel Messi. Well, I think that's the point because it wasn't, it, this isn't about 
men's football. This is about football in America and its growth. And the women did their job today. Mr. Messi did his job today. I loved how he celebrated. He, you know, anyone who's like, oh, he's only coming over to enjoy the beach and just kind of see out his retirement. He absolutely went for that celebration. Um, <laughs> Serena Williams was there. LeBron really James was there. Obviously, Beckham was there. There was like, it was just, it was the place to be if you weren't watching the women's game. So, um, yeah, good day all round for soccer. <laughs> Um, Rebecca, I'm so sorry that this episode is being recorded before your lionesses take the pitch. And I hope when next mm. we speak, we'll be speaking mm. um, of, of a mighty, mighty victory. I'll be wearing a Mary Earps jersey. Look up the story. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's literally impossible. We know that that's impossible. But OK, great. Go for it. <laughs> All right, Brendan, we will talk soon. Before we go, though, please do check out my interview, everybody listening, with Shumita Basu on Apple News in Conversation. I'm going to tell you the story in that interview of the time that I had Brandy Chastain reenact that 1999 penalty kick. Oh, yeah, in a hotel room in Berlin in 2011. Plus, some more of my thoughts on Messi joining MLS. And remember to follow After the Whistle on Apple Podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. Tell a friend. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. Um, I, I doubt it takes a lot to get Brandy Chastain to reenact the penalty kick. Not a lot, no. Hey, Brandy, would you mind? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. The yeah. shirt's already yeah. off. <laughs> Kept the shirt on. Bless her heart. I love her. I love her. <laughs> I know. I do, too. 